I watched Problem Child, and the opening of this movie is this kid. From the time he was born, he's being left on other people's doorsteps. And here's where the problem comes in. Um, like, you know, constant abandonment such as this will psychologically fuck up a child, making them become a problem. You know what I mean? Like, if there were more pro-choicers in this world, I would not have just lost an hour and 20 minutes of my life. But I ended up watching this movie in its entirety and picking apart every little thing about it. And he was doing his own narration. That aggravated me beyond aggravation. He was, here I am, great night to be born. So the night you were born, you landed video footage of your mother out of the hospital the same night after giving birth, putting you on a doorstep of a random house. And instead of stopping right there and handing this video over to police so they could arrest this stupid heartless bitch of a mother you have, you decided to do commentary and waste over an hour of my life? Thanks a lot, you dick. The opening scene really pissed me off. Here we are minutes into a movie, not even done with the opening credits that I read John Ritter was in, and you can add that to the list of things that are about to annoy me about this movie, and already I'm so pissed off I'm about to go to the Arby's with some hedge trimmers. And they really, really, really drive the problem child thing home in the first couple scenes. Like, we get it. We get it. The movie is called Problem Child. We didn't think we were watching a movie about a fucking Christian horse farm, okay? We know the kid will have problems. The, the title told us that. However, there's a difference between a kid with a problem and a duck dick. And straight up, this kid is just an asshole. Three minutes in, he says, Not the nuns! Not the nuns! Who, you know, later he'd refer to as penguins. But the, the kid sent a bulldozer through the trailer he was living at. Because his dad, at the time there, stepped on his toy bulldozer. Dude, you're five. And you should be charged with mischief and destruction of property and theft over a thousand for taking the bulldozer. Now, he wasn't driving the bulldozer, so I'll drop the charge of driving with intent to asshole. But with all the shit he pulled in the first few minutes, plus the shit that we don't see, yes, the nuns, yes, the nuns, this motherfucker needs Jesus. And I hated, I hated so much how the basket was embellished. Like he was left in a basket as a baby. So as he got older and he was being passed from house to house, they'd always carry him to the next house in that basket. We, we get it, 1990. Fucking hilarious gag. But a Mr. Literal and, and the basket would have literally broke. And also, not only is he a quote-unquote problem child... He's also fucking stupid. He's a, he is a stupid child. Like they're carrying him around in the in the basket, and, and it's like just just get out of the basket, run away, and join a fucking street gang already. Get it over with. Get on the fast lane to the life of crime you're headed to take. If not for the fact that this was a '90s comedy, you'd be landing your ass in prison anyway. So you know, get going here. And secondly, they carry it like it was heavy. And I guess that helps to sell the joke, you know, whatever. But but first of all, why would you keep the kid instead of calling the police? Why would you? Okay, let's ignore that for this, for this, you know, sake of movie purposes. But why would you keep the basket? Unless you're a, you know, picnic enthusiast who can't conceive, which, you know, this isn't so much of a problem for you as it is a win-win. Like, why would you keep the basket? 
Why would you keep a shitty basket like this? You don't need it. Walk the kid over and hand him off a gunpoint. It's as easy as that. I'm assuming this is America, no? Bullshit. There was no gun in the trailer that he destroyed. Bullshit. It's a trailer. The, you know, the basket's tough. Okay, it, the basket's tough really aggravated me. And was this basket stored in the trailer that he demolished? And if it was, how could it survive? How could it? It's a basket. He ran over to the trailer with a bulldozer, and, and I'm supposed to think that the... You know, buy some handcuffs. There are so many other ways to pass off a kid other than dragging out a joke I'm not even sure worked in 1990. I mean, were these writers drunk? Were they... I really, really hope somebody was fired over this basket bit. I'm not... Anyway, the fucking psycho ties up a nun and swings her from the roof for all the kids to see, in which they laugh, and... When he does shit to the nuns, they all laugh. They're all amused. So when he's finally adopted and all the kids are cheering and happy that he's gone, I call bullshit on those kids. But anyway, he hung he hung a nun and swung her from a building. That's that's borderline serial killer shit right there. And yes, I agree that is a problem. And then he says, "See, nobody really ever accepted me. Couldn't be that caring. Couldn't be that loving." That's <laughs> Like, we're supposed to feel sorry for this piece of shit kid. Honestly. Honestly, man. It's been a three-minute glimpse into who you are, and already I hate you, and I wish your mother would have shook you to death instead of putting you on a doorstep. You're easy to hate. There's no possible way that anybody can be loving. You were born unlovable, and you should be locked in a car, and then that car should be set on fire. Not have your own movie about your stupid friggin' life. And this couple finds out that they can't have kids. And after the clumsy doctor fucks around with a uterus sculpture he probably got for Christmas as a gag gift, he says, there are alternatives to having your own child. And the scene should have continued. Such as, uh, well, living your life. Drinking beer every night that was purchased with money you didn't need to give to a babysitter. Going wherever you want, whenever you want, without having the responsibility of someone else's life in your hands. Living it out until you're 90 and having your own diaper changed instead of having to change somebody else's uh you know not having to buy groceries for anybody but yourself you know you could stock up on gin and gummy bears and toaster fucking strudels you'd be able to snort coke off the living room table anytime you want rather than after the kid finally falls asleep you know you wouldn't need to explain to a child what a hooker stripper is and hope that he can keep a secret from mommy uh, you wouldn't have to have a job that you hate because you need extra money to send a kid to college so that one day that kid can land a job that they hate, but it pays well so they can send their own goddamn kids to college one day, and so on and so on and so on. But no, it stops and cuts to another stupid scene with the stupid kid. I tried to like it at the orphanage, but then I got interested in photography. Uh, which then it shows the pictures of nuns changing, showering, and being horrified that the kid was taking their pictures. Fucking dark. From serial killer to being the boldest peeping Tom ever and eventually graduating into full-on rapist serial killer who takes pictures to admire his work. Only ten minutes deep into this movie. Ten minutes deep into this movie. And he's already destroyed a home with a stolen bulldozer. He's tied up a nun against her will, hung her to swing from a building, and took inappropriate sexual pictures of women without their consent. The, the, the writers of this movie need heavy therapy so that the therapist can explain to them the difference between mischief and fucking felonies. 
And then, and then he says, after taking the pictures, he says, after that, everything went downhill. I'm pretty sure this kid flew down that hill already, but okay. And the nun states that kids need nutrition and discipline. <laughs> Dis- discipline, huh? He should have been given the electric chair by now, but sure, you know, never late, better late than never, right? And he replies, well, if it's so nutritious, why don't you eat it? Well, she's a nun, you little brat. She eats the body of Jesus, so she gets all her nutrition from that. So shut the fuck up, all right? And the little black girl beside him is just glaring at him, probably thinking, fucking white people. And can you imagine, can you fucking imagine if this lead character was the little black girl? It would never happen. It wouldn't. Ne- Only a fucking white kid could act like this and it can still be considered comedy. Man. Anyways, he's like, I was never really sure what I got. Nutrition or discipline? Well, let me clear that shit up for you, you clueless little prick. Nutrition. It was nutrition. Think about it. You have a tray full of veggies. Real up here. It was clearly nutrition. You got away with taking pictures of a nun showering. It was nutrition. So he throws his food on the roof and it gets stuck, right? And the nun asked where his food was. And he said it was so nutritious that he gobbled it all up. And the nun said that she couldn't believe it. For once he had behaved himself. Must have been all that discipline he needed and was given, huh, sister? Then she thanks the Lord and she looks up and of course 1990 delivers with the food falling on her face and the kids laughing at her. And not to side with this animal, but the nun got what was coming. She served the food to him like less than 30 seconds before this. His veggies and potatoes were still untouched on the tree. He's been a constant pain in her ass and she believes him? The kids are right to laugh at you, sister. You aren't to be rewarded for sheer stupidity. I'm sorry. So she grabs him by the ear and pulls him out of the lunchroom. And there's the mistake right there. She should have simply ripped his ear off and refused him medical treatment. If he bleeds out, he bleeds out. There's a solution right there. If he lives, infection equals tough love. Then she gives him a mop and bucket and says, Okay, mister, you know the routine. Yeah, exactly. Routine. You know what? Less ineffective mop punishment and more forceful ear removal and you'll be all set. I'm telling you. Routine implies that this that all this asshole needs to do after his disrespectful behavior is just mop. And this is where he lives. This is his house. All you're doing is keeping his living environment clean and he still gets to be a dick. Punch this kid in the face as hard as you can. If you do it once, it might correct this behavior. You're a nun. You're a nun. Remember that? Hit him in the mouth with a crucifix. You know? I believe that nothing helps a kid behave more than beating the Jesus into him. And, and, nothing drives the point home, you know, more that he needs to cut this shit out better than, you know, being beaten with the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you gotta get serious here. You've gotta get serious. It's a problem child. And, and that's exactly it. That's exactly it. He's a child. You can't make a comedy but a problem adult. They have TV shows about problem adults. One of them is called Forensic Files.
Speaking of which, he tosses the mop aside to watch TV and sees news coverage of the bowtie killer on every channel. And he's getting arrested and he's screaming, oh, they, they deserved it, all 21 of them. I'm not a bad guy, I'm just misunderstood. And usually kids think if someone is in handcuffs and the cops are aka good guys, you know, they caught the bad guy. But no, this little psychopath thought, wow, what a good looking guy. And we're supposed to ignore the fact that this kid is overlooking murder and admiring this guy's physical appearance? Like, I have comedy, I guess, right? You know, just wait for the laughs. The, the, the nun says, Good little boys get adopted by good families, and bad little boys get something else. And what is that something else? Mop duty at the orphanage? You know, that they bail out on to watch cartoons because the dumb nun leaves them unsupervised? Yeah, exactly, nun. You're an idiot. So then he goes over to the toy box, and he opens the lid, scattering all these toys all over the floor that he won't pick up. And he takes out this, like, Chucky-type doll, and he takes off the bow tie from the doll, and he puts it on himself to resemble the appearance of the bow tie killer. A serial killer with 20-some victims, and that's supposed to not be a red flag. He puts the bow tie on. While watching the kid that he called the creep meet his adoptive parents. Holy fucking moly. That kid will be his first victim. And this could have easily been a slasher flick. Easy, but no comedy. A dark, fucked up comedy that distracts you with generic shenanigans and cheap laughs. Wow. Anyways, let me recap here. He gave a cat dish soap to eat. That's animal cruelty. He idolizes a serial killer and puts on a bow tie to look just like him. He destroyed a home on impulse and likely anger and saw nothing wrong with it and showed no remorse. Uh, he showed inappropriate sexual behavior with the pictures he took. And he swung a nun from a building after tying her up and took joy in the horror that it caused her. And he stated, See? Nobody really ever accepted me. Couldn't be that caring. Couldn't be that loving. And he was not concerned with how his destructive behavior was affecting other people. His focus was on himself in a narcissistic way. And he's growing up in a highly religious environment where he's usually isolated from other kids in a disrespectful loner. Now, I'm not a FBI profiler. But the movie would seem to fit the title Mass Murderer better than Problem Child. I'm just... I'm throwing that out there. Now, let's get back to the... Uh, the future parents of this monster. The husband tells his wife to consider adoption. Just consider it. And she says, I don't wear secondhand clothes. I won't have a secondhand child. Holy fucking rich people problems. Bitch, please. You know, at least consider what he said since, you know, you can't do the one thing that women are supposed to do naturally, be able to reproduce. So how about you put your first world problem aside for a second and consider it before your husband leaves you for a hot 20-year-old who can actually give him a family, huh? Before he shops around for a working uterus, chill the fuck out a bit. Why don't you try that, okay? Not to be rude, but you seem like you could actually be the savage's real mother. Relax. It's a comedy. Say something funny. Make me laugh. Just don't annoy me. And then the husband. <laughs> The husband just gets out of the car and says, Okay, fine. What? Oh, what? He wants a family. If that were me, 
I would have said, okay, fine. You know what? Go ahead. Take that tone. You want to start a family. So if you're okay with meaningless sex, why don't you just go fuck yourself? Fuck you and your attitude. I'm out. Me? I'm going to find some woman who can do something useful with my sperm rather than have it just drip down her leg. Okay? Later, bitch face. And then I slam the door and flip her off. But that's just what a what you know, I would have said. It's just what I would have said. I'm not essential to the plot of a comedy movie, so I don't know. So anyway, the dad of this guy who can't have a kid decides to fuck him over by selling his business to the Japs. That's racist. Rather than leaving it to his son. And anyway, he says that his son's problem is that he's too nice. He, no. You're just a businessman, sir. Which, di- which by default, it makes you a stupid heartless jerk-off. It kind of comes with the territory. Businessman. Heartless jerk-off. So anyway, we cut to the scene with the kid on his birthday. And he's washing a shit ton of pots and pans in the orphanage. And the nun comes in and asks what's taking so long and that they needed to eat in fifteen or twenty minutes or whatever it was. Okay, you clueless dunce. Here's what's taking so long. You sent a disobedient five-year-old into a kitchen unsupervised to do a shitload of dishes used to cook food for an orphanage that was seen to have a full lunchroom full of kids right up to having an assembly line to serve the food that was as big as a high school cafeteria. Now you fucking tell me what you think is taking so long. Do they not teach common fucking sense in the Bible? Oh. Alright, okay, so I let that one go. I let her off the hook a bit. But, you know, I was like, if this lack of thinking continues, I'm going to have to call this bitch on her shit again. And a couple of seconds later, I had to do just that. She reaches over the pots to grab the kid. And I'm not sure why she didn't just walk around like a normal human being. Like, what was she going to do? Pull him over the counter? Like, smarten the fuck up here. But I guess she did this in order to set up the joke. And he's like, look, a penguin in a pot. You know, because the pots fell on her and, you know, one landed on her head, covering her face. And then she started yelling, help, help. So the kid runs out of the kitchen. It's a good thing because never fear. Help is here. I heard your cries and I'm going to help you. Are you paralyzed? No. Okay, then. Well, move your arms and lift the pot off your head. There you go. Good thing I was around, or you'd have been lost for ideas, wouldn't you? It's fine, sister. I'm I'm here to help. I'm a I'm a good Christian too, and apparently I'm also smarter. Oh, by the way, Jesus was ashamed of you for being so dumb. Yeah, he he told me he fucking hates people who exaggerate and make things a big deal when they aren't. Yeah, he hung on a cross for three and a half hours, and you know it was after being beaten, and then you sit here with a pot on your head and cry about it. Fucking shame on you. Oh, he told me that you annoy him too. Jesus has less tolerance for morons and you know than I do, and you should know this because you're a fucking nun. So anyway, they have an exaggerated mishap with mop water, and that's the last straw. Not the whole creeping in and taking inappropriate pictures. No, no, no. A pot on her head, sliding in mop water, that's what did her in. So Mr. Peabody Sigh was the psychologist. 
And when the nuns showed him pictures that the kid drawn of like dark shit, including someone being eaten alive by some dragon and it was a nun, he said, now I'm not claiming to be some brilliant psychologist. And good thing too, because, you know, shall I repeat my recap? I mean, I'm no psychologist myself, but I couldn't get by the opening credits without noticing psychopathic traits that this kid was showing. So I don't think you should be claiming to be a psychologist at all, let alone a fucking brilliant one. I'm going to have to side with the nuns nuns on this one. I'm I'm sorry, Mr. Peabody. You're an idiot, too. And then, you know, after a few minutes of, you know, flawless 90s comedy dialogue there, he, uh, he says the kid will be removed from the orphanage. Like a prisoner who's a disruptive at a prison and passed off into another. Which, uh, seems to work. You know, change of fucking scenery is the key to rehabilitation, right? (laughs) Right? Um... So let's get back to the unstable shit with the future folks here. Um, they're standing in their doorway in the front foyer there, and they're looking across the street, and the person is having a party, and the dumb bitch admires the shoes of one of the guests, and she goes, why can't I have shoes like that? (sighs) More rich people problems. Like, really? Does this really upset you? Jesus Christ, lady, how do you cope with things like the toilet getting backed up like what if a real issue happened in your life how the fuck would you ever be able to deal with that you know what you're a wealthy cunt okay and your dumbass overdone hairdo and earrings that look like they cost more than my car tell me that you're just that why can't you have shoes like that give me a fucking break why can't you have shoes like that because you're spending your time standing around bitching needlessly about it rather than going out and buying them that's why you can't have shoes like that And then he says, I wonder why we weren't invited. And I was going to say something, but before I did, the wife chimed in and she said, we can't go to a kid's birthday party if we don't have a kid. And I thought, fuck, finally, somebody read Common Sense 101 and learned something. Finally, something to feel good about in this movie. But then she says, being a parent gives you power. Oh, fuck. You're mad you can't have one. You refuse to have a secondhand kid. And you want a kid because being a parent gives you power. Your uterus is doing the right thing here, okay? You're having a kid for all the wrong reasons. You want a kid to give you parent power? What, to give you access to children's birthday parties where you can mingle with other fake-ass rich pieces of shit such as yourself and you smile and compliment them, but you know deep down it's just humoring them because you're better and more classy than they are? Well, you know what? I have to side with your uterus on this one and I appreciate the statement it is making because, bitch, you are worse than Hitler. He argued, being a parent is for sharing. You, me, the kid. And she snaps, there isn't going to be a kid. Just you and me forever. Well, isn't that nice, you know? 
Was that included in your wedding vows? You know? The level of cuntness here was continuing to rise, okay? You won't adopt a kid. It's going to be you and him forever because you can't reproduce, you plank. He looks past this. Gives you options that you shoot down. He puts up with your shit. And he still stays with you. What the fuck do you want from him? Goddamn rich people problems, alright? Just deal with it. Adopt a kid. Compromise and stop being such a self-absorbed asshole about everything. You don't want to adopt. Spend time with the cat. And please, just shut the fuck up and roll the fucking credits. I've got a little over an hour to go, and I've had enough problems as it is. Don't add more shit for me to deal with, okay? To convince his wife to adopt, he fucking compared it to shopping. And focused on the image she will have to the neighbors. The shallowness of this movie has absolutely no depth, okay? Instead of saying, look, I love you. That's why I deal with your petty bullshit. That, and I'm insecure. I let you be an idiot because nobody else will love me. You are so hard to love and have all these cunty qualities, but I force myself to love you anyway. Anybody can have a kid. Well, except you, because... But you are supposed to be able... You know, being a woman and all, but you just can't. But anybody can. You were just born unable to, or whatever. People have kids by accident, for fuck's sakes. It's that easy. But to adopt a kid, and to give that kid a chance, and a home, and the love of a mother that his mother gave up... That's fucking something. That's not something everyone can do. But we can. So seriously, grow the fuck up and let's start a family the way that we can. But no, they they talk about the kid like he's a new fucking car. Unbelievable. Fuck you, movie. Fuck you. So they decide, let's get a kid, you know, to get this fucking movie going finally. And it cuts to the scene where there's kids in class writing to their pen pals, you know, like, dear queen and dear bishop. And then the psycho was, dear bowtie killer, how is prison? (sighs) You know, it would have been way easier to make this a slasher flick. It would have been way easier. I've said that before. I stand by it. But he continues to write. Even though we've never met, I think we have a lot in common. Yep, I'll second that. And he writes this as he looks at a newspaper with a quote from the killer, I did it for kicks. Then he states that he's quote-unquote getting out of the orphanage as if he's served time there like a prison. And signed, your number one fan, Junior. This movie is fucked up. Fucked up. At this point, oddly, I started to root for the kid a bit, okay? Maybe the bowtie killer would, you know, escape and come looking for him and kill his soon-to-be moronic parents in the process. 
You know, I needed something to feel good about watching this abortion of a movie. And in the next two scenes, this movie took away my good feeling. They went to the goddamn municipal office to apply for adoption. And, and, why the fuck was the psychologist from the orphanage working there and help getting them going? Hmm? He needs two jobs? Two jobs to make ends meet? Or what's the story here, okay? The psychologists, do they get paid per client? Oh, yeah, okay. They do, yeah. In America, that, you know, that shit ain't free. Hmm. So anyways, after he showed his great psychologist skills earlier, um, you know, I bet he doesn't even have enough clientele to pay his fucking cable bill, so that explains the second job. Okay, I'll let that pass. Now, at this point, the kid is seven, and the bowtie killer said that when he gets out of prison... Who you got high hopes there, man? You've you've killed over twenty people. Anyways, he says that they'll do some quote unquote serious damage together. <laughs> yes. Start with the parents, and the killing spree better be in this fucking movie. This movie doesn't really know the justice system or the term life without parole, but I'm, I'm gonna let that go. Um. The psychologist stated that Junior was um, as smart as a tack. And sharp. The, the expression is... Never mind. These scenes were stressful enough for me, and they really fucked around with my emotions. You know? It was like, I, all of a sudden, I was feeling good, and then the uh, next minute, I was like, fuck this movie, fuck this movie, fucking fuck, fuck this fucking fuck fucking movie. She said... Seven is a little old. I want people to think I had a baby. Yeah, this this bitch was told it would take seven years. So, um, did she actually think she could, you know, pull that shit off? You know, once it goes through, you have a baby. Just one day, you have a baby. Never showing signs of pregnancy, never announcing that you'll be having a baby. For fuck's sakes, use your head, okay? I know it's a comedy movie, but use your head. And besides, you know, your biggest woe in life is the fact that some other bitch has the shoes you want. How could you possibly adjust to parenthood to be able to take care of a baby? Oh, right. The parent power. The parent power. Right, okay. Sorry. Carry on, then. Anyway, a problem child. I mean, well, these, these fucking parents have some problems to bring to the table, too, you know? But I figured I'd tough it out and I'd see where this went. And uh, that turned out to be one of the biggest mistakes of my life. After the dad took a photo of the first day that they're, you know, in a new home or whatever. Junior asks, how come you adopted me? How come you just didn't have a baby? How come you fucking care so much? You want it out of the orphanage, you got it, so shut your fucking mouth. It's not important. You are creating useless dialogue by asking questions that, you know, are like, you're walking around like you're the family's fucking biographer. Just, just relax. Just take it. And I know orphanage are, are like, they're less than ideal for kids, but the only possessions this kid had fit in a suitcase. 
nothing else like uh, like that toy that survived his bulldozer stunt anything you know anything over the years like multiple pairs of pajamas even no it was it was a it was a small small suitcase and i know he's 7 years old and i know he's an orphan but fuck he was able to fit all his possessions into a tiny little suitcase like that Maybe that's why he's so fucked up, you know? A Bible is not a toy. Get this kid a fucking Nintendo, okay? Come on, movie. Do this. So he gets into the house, and the cat freaks out. And the dad's like, I've never seen a rack like that. Well, wise up, dad. Animals can sense pure fucking evil better than humans can. Alright, get a fucking clue. It took seven years for the process. And yet you walked home with a kid that day and you didn't suspect like maybe there was a catch, you know, then you ask for all the shit, all the shit that's about to happen to you. Okay. Being naive can get you killed. Nobody told you this. You're a grown ass man. You're an idiot. And the fucking guy wears blue jeans, blue jacket, blue shirt and tie, blue on his hat. Everything was blue. Hmm. Are you sure you were ejaculating into your bitch-ass wife? Maybe it's not the uterus. Maybe you faked it. And you let her take the fall. Mm-hmm. Everything about you is blue, so I'm assuming maybe your balls are too. You know, fuck this guy. So then he says, uh, Come say hello to our bird, Polly. Wants a cracker, cliche. Shame on you, movie. Shame on you. And the bird says, Hello, only in a bird voice. And Junior says, is that the only word he knows? With an evil grin. And then Dad's like, <laughs> yes. So as they walk away, the bird says, uh-oh. Which is terrible fucking foreshadowing. And the terrible, terrible, terrible signs of bird ownership. Hello is not all he says. He just said, uh-oh. So it just goes to show how much you know about your bird, you neglectful prick. And you now have a child? Holy shit. So the kid goes, Do I get my own bed? And the dad's like, You hit the big time! You get your own room. I hope you like clowns. Yeah, that might be a good thing considering, you know, now you're living with two. You know, what fucking kid likes clowns? And they brought the kid home the same day they went in. There were blocks in his room spelling out his name. When the fuck did they set this room up? I call bullshit. I call, hope you like clowns. What the fuck is wrong with you? Trains, baseball, naked women, anything but clowns, man. <sighs> I could really tell that they have no fucking idea how to be parents. It's fine, though. The little arsonist decided to set fire to his room in order to innocently show his dislike for clowns. And well played. Well played. So when, uh... The dad called his father over to tell him the news... He said he'd give him a hint, and he put the It's a Boy cigar in his mouth. The same cigar, you know, his friend gave him to announce that he was having a boy. And when he went to the orphanage, and there was this big kid that, you know, 
they wanted out it just so happened that he was a boy as well because convenient things are convenient uh, but if it were me and he said I'll give you a clue and he rammed the scar into his lips I would have said you started smoking like fuck just tell me but I guess he needed to leave quality jokes out you know in order to make time for other shit and uh, I'm not a filmmaker so what do I know right and after the fire the kid throws a cat at his now grandpa sending him tumbling down the stairs which is assault but whatever and then the neighbors are like running over as the police show up because rubbernecking is always comical. And the police show up for like no fucking reason. They don't investigate, but they just show up to reassure you that, you know, this is a problem child. In case the arson that just occurred, you know, hadn't allowed you to clue in, right? And the cat was walking around with casts on his legs after the old man was stretchered out. They treated the cat first. Seriously? EMTs are also vets, I guess. I'd... Then he says, well, What about Junior? Don't you think he feels bad about this? Fucking really? Are you even in the same movie that I'm watching? And then Junior says, Yeah, but this makes me feel better. And then he removes cash. One bill was a $50 bill from the wallet that he stole from his grandfather. Theft! theft while the police are right there right there on the fucking scene like what the fuck is going on here and then he counts 50 60 70 and then the scene fades to black fine go buy a fucking nintendo with it and roll the credits okay there's over 45 minutes to go and the bow tie killer escapes prison after killing a shrink you know and driving his car out and the guard is unaware of this asking how the session went meaning that you know he saw him go in but he ignores the fact that they look nothing alike and the voice is different but this is a movie so open the gate later doc fuck so anyways fast forwarding through the birthday party the baseball game where the adults watched him beat kids with a baseball bat and when the dad finally lost it stood over him with a pillow in intention of suffocating him the bowtie killer finally shows up at this kid's house. Out of my way, kid. I'm looking for JR. That's what the bowtie killer said, right? And JR Jr. Yeah, that's me. I'm Junior. I wrote you those letters. Yes, from the fucking orphanage. Unaware of who will adopt you and their fucking address. Ask the killer how the fuck he ever found you. Jesus, kid. Like, seriously. Inquire. And then he goes, well, I didn't drive 1,000 miles to hang out with a seven-year-old. You, you drove 1,000 miles to hang out with a convict meaner than you are that could kill you. Regardless of age, you're the moron who drove all this way to see a stranger. And besides, you're on the run, right? Escape from prison. Don't you think being 1,000 miles away might be you know, good for you? Just so you can like lay low? I mean, reel the fuck up. Yeah, he was under the impression that JR was this convict. So he had no idea he was being written to by a kid. So how the fuck could he possibly know his age? I didn't come here to do a seven-year-old. How do you know his age? I call bullshit. Anyways, he stays for dinner. And his wife is trying to build up how great this kid is. So, like, he'll take him off their hands, right? And Uncle Marty! Yeah, how nice. The kid never met his mother, but, you know, kept in contact with her brother for seven fucking years he's been alive right and cute what a bunch of idiots so anyway 
she asked if if uncle marty quote-unquote wanted more more meatloaf and he's like yeah and so she went into the kitchen he said he'd give her a hand and she continued on about junior and asked if he was a bachelor and she was totally totally oblivious to the fact that she's about to be raped on the kitchen island you know what a dunce like honestly this woman had the intuition of a fucking onion okay and, and he says he hasn't been with a woman in over 15 years, and then the sexual assault starts. He kisses her, and she's all like, Did you say 15 years? No, he said you're a whore, but, you know, rape and adultery can be funny, right? Especially when, you know, her adopted kid and stress her husband are right in the other room. <laughs> Tons of fucking laughs. <laughs> I guess it's not rape if the bitch is into it, right? <laughs> And she's turned on by this rapist bad boy bow tie look, you know. Whatever boats your float, honey. I, I don't, I can't judge, but enjoy the divorce and leave the custody to your ex. And hey, maybe she isn't so dumb after all, right? Still a whore though. And the clattering of shit, you know, hitting the floor, and it all goes unnoticed by the husband and and the kid. Well, his wife is alone in the kitchen with a complete stranger. They let stay for dinner because. That's not something to be concerned about, right? Then when she's into it, Uncle Marty, you know, he gets all weird about it because he's a rapist and this weirdo made it consensual. Now he ends up getting raped in a hilarious turn of events and just turns classic. So after that, Marty kidnaps the wife and kid even though the kid probably willingly left with him and he leaves a note that if the dad ever wants to see them again it'll cost him one hundred thousand dollars and it just so happens that on the newspaper that morning it covered the manhunt for uncle marty convenience is convenient and this plot was really fucking thickening up here but uh he must have you know read the newspaper other days right you know other days of reading the paper? No, I mean, the guy drove a thousand miles to get there. Some time had passed, right? I mean, a high-profile murderer escapes and it wasn't front-page news within the first day. I kind of call bullshit, but, you know, maybe because it was a thousand miles away, you know? Okay, maybe the police made it a nationwide manhunt now that it's been whatever. And I, I don't know. It, it's still dumb as hell as far as I'm concerned, you know? I... Whatever, and uh, so the back to the the wife, and she's like, I thought this was our honeymoon, and what a fucking bimble. You're still legally married, there was no wedding, you're tied and gigged in the backseat. What the fuck are you babbling about? Honeymoon for fuck's sakes, wow. So he puts the bitch in a suitcase and stuffs her into the trunk on the side of the road in the middle of the fucking day in front of a bar with her yelling at him, and nobody saw, nobody saw. Alright, comedy, right, right. I'm supposed to be laughing at this captivity that will lead to, like, suffocation. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, fuck. And he told the kid, you know, I work alone. You work alone, do you? Then why the fuck did you drive a thousand miles to see J.R.I. call horseshit? And it was almost over, and my anticipation for a legendary conclusion was off the charts. Finally, there was some realism, 
the dad said that Marty could keep them both, and to celebrate his happiness, he decides to go trash Junior's room, and he sees pictures of other people that, you know, he drew, and uh, they're dis- they're dissing the other people, but when he sees a nice picture of himself, and that, you know, and the dried prune that he gave him to, you know, help them bond or whatever, he has a change of heart, and I'm like, no, 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 don't stop the rampage, don't, I've waited over 45 minutes to get into this fucking movie, just more destruction, pee on his bed, come in his shoes, shit on his lamp, he ruined your dad's story, and your dad wiped out your life savings, paying for it, man, a prune doesn't fucking change that, rampage on, man, keep going, destroy the house that the bank will own soon, because you can't afford it, because of all the shit things that this kid has done, rampage, But it was just setting up the conclusion. He stares at the picture and he's like, He liked me. He actually liked me? Oh, so that makes it right. Okay, fuck. Like, think it through, man. You got rid of two shitty people. Marty left. He never left a number to reach him at or instructions on where to meet to get the money. You can't reach him because, you know, it showed this guy is on the run. You don't have the cash. Just let it go. Roll the credits. Happy ending. Please, please, please. Nope, he needs to get them back. Of fucking course. Fuck you, Hollywood. Fuck you. So Marty takes Junior to the circus with his adopted mother's body still in the trunk of his car. Dark. And Marty's like, I hate the circus. Nothing worse than a bunch of clowns trying to make you laugh. That's funny. Those are my exact thoughts towards the writers of this movie. In the meantime, Ben, the dad, he forgets how to use his own fucking driveway and plows into the flower bed. And then he steals his friend's car for, like, no reason. His car was fine. He walked right by it to go get to the other car filled with hunting gear. You know, if you want to go get your wife and kid back from a kidnapper, go steal a car with a bunch of shit in the backseat, you know, where one of them could sit and ensure a fast, efficient, clean getaway. And what the honest fuck was this about? Like, honestly. And then there was more reckless driving and destruction of property. And this movie was fucking out of control, alright? There's this big, huge climax at the circus. The killer was gone, so they decide that... Chasing after the guy who has killed over 20 people seems like the reasonable thing to do and not, you know, shark shit crazy. So there's this car chase. And then the suitcase that his wife is in, he, like, flies into the back of a truck with a pig in it. And then they make this quirk that, well, Joe's wanted to travel. Yeah, let's go home. Yeah, go home, just that's it. Ignoring the police who are probably going to ask for a fucking statement. You were firing a shotgun at another vehicle. Do you, do you remember that? You know? Plus, you may want to let them know about the somehow still living human being inside of the suitcase, you know, be like someone who does the right thing, you know, especially, especially with a shitty kid who doesn't know right from wrong standing right beside you. I mean, be a fucking role model, okay? And then the dad gets shot and he's saved by the prune, of course, that's in his pocket and the asshole kid says, I love you. And he tells him, I love you too, I love you too. And that excuses everything that this kid fucked up in his entire life and it's movie magic horseshit.